the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. It's cold out there. <laughs> I went to take my dogs for a walk, and they turned around and came right back in. Uh, labs usually take it. So anyway, let's start off thinking positively. When you feel like you're drowning in life, don't worry. Your lifeguard walks on water. A difficult time can be more readily endured if we retain the conviction that our existence holds a purpose, a cause to pursue, a person to love, a goal to achieve. That was John Maxwell, by the way. You can, you should, and if you're brave enough to start, you will. I believe that was Stephen King, by the way. Difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. There we go, folks. And, you know, as we always say on the show, um, you know, if you go to WHK's webpage, WHK1420, go to local podcasts down to the Smart Investor Show, uh, there's a lot of good stuff you can get. First of all, you can go directly to my webpage, and I, uh, I can't tell you enough. There's a little bar across the top that says insight. That's, that research has changed fairly regularly, and it's got good stuff in there. Uh, they, we name names and all sorts of stuff like that. It's good stuff. On the front page, we have the bulletin board. And on that, we have a, a weekly newsletter, a monthly newsletter, and also Rob Schleimer's Trend and Cycle. Rob is our head technician. He's one of the best in the world. All right. Uh, he's been voted that way, by the way. Uh, you can get that right there. If you want to have a conversation with me, you want to talk about your portfolio, you want to talk about your you know, wealth plan, um, you can hit the contact me, email me, whatever. Also, you know, I've been saying for about two months now that dividend – well, actually, I started back last summer. I talked about dividend growth portfolios and prime income lists. I said dividend stocks were undervalued. They're showing up, folks. You know, they're showing up regularly, okay, on my charts. Uh, so there we go. Uh, they're available to you. All right, so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so, you know, we always start out with uh, some strategy. And I, I think the first week of 2022 was a really good one for value. With both the Russell 1000 and 2000 value indices, they were steady. They, they were up 1.2%, uh, while the growth indices were down 5 to 6%. Tech stocks are getting beaten up. Now, you know, the big question everybody has now is, is tech blowing up again like it did in 2000? Is it the end of the world? Uh, don't know. Uh, you know, but I will have, we have been on since January, the energy area. I mean, our top pick in the energy area in small cap is up like 45% last year, and it's still going strong. Okay. So uh, I, I saw a couple things in energy I'm going to talk about, but, uh, you know, as for now, the financials uh, led. You know, we're up big. Energy was up 10%. Financials were up 5 And they got beat up on Friday. J.P. Morgan 
their CFO was very, very negative on the call, or he was very timid on the call, shall we say. I don't, I, you know, I've seen that happen many times with J.P. Morgan. It's a buying opportunity usually. Uh, but he was very negative, and he said the whole, pe- you know, that and Jeffries uh, came out with, you know, their trading volume was down pretty drastically. Uh, that set the whole group back, so we'll see what happens. I, I, you know, if we're watching several things, first of all, the timing around the first Fed rate hike. Um, you know, people are talking about three or four Fed rate hikes, and I, I've seen some economic news, and I don't know if it's because of Omicron or not, but it's not so hot. <laughs> so uh, the other thing we're looking at is valuations. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the growth area that are expensive. There's a reason for it, though. Uh, one of these expensive stocks is in, uh, you know, the the cloud. But what they're doing is they're protecting your computer systems. Okay, and they said that they had a hundred and seventy five percent increase in DDoSs. That's that's where people are trying to raid your your computer system in just the fourth quarter. <clears throat> so if you think that's going away, I don't think it is. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. The other thing I think is positioning the sentiment. <clears throat> sentiment is nowhere near a bull market top. Okay, that's when the, when the bulls are at 55, 60%, uh, like in 2000, okay? Uh, earnings revisions, we're seeing, we're seeing that uh, kind of, you know, um, most of them appear to favor growth over value, by the way. And we're seeing flows, in, you know, we're, we're seeing flows into value, okay? Uh, but, you know, one of the things that Lori Calcivina said is that normally into the first couple of rate hikes, value outperforms, and then growth comes back. So we'll see what happens. But uh, the 10-year yield, you know, that that looks like it's running out of steam. So here it's made a big move and everybody got negative. Um, and it seems to be running out of steam, to me anyway. Um, now, I suggest, you know, that... We probably continue to go on, you know, and we we make our. I think our goal is five thousand or fifty two hundred on the on on the S and P five hundred, and uh, then we have a correction because everybody's expecting one right now, so it won't happen. And then we have another, you know, another move up, and then another, you know, correction, and then we have a surge. Uh, and I don't. I I think it's all going to be around the ten year yield peaking. Uh, and also the the virus getting getting rid of the virus. Okay, so we'll see what happens. But look, there's a lot of money in bonds, and they're almost. I mean, you're almost talking about losing money. You know, they're guaranteed to lose money. Interest rates are the lowest they've been in a long, long time. So, uh, like ever, <laughs> like in the history of the United States. You know, I, I mean, interest rates are the lowest they've ever been. You know, we have real negative yields here. Okay, so we'll see what happens. But look, um, we looked at all the indicators we look at for recession, and not one of them is even even in neutral at this point. So they're all expansionary. Um, so you know, one of the leading indicators is the. Is free cash flow of non-financial corporate uh, businesses, and it's and it's up big, you know. So we don't see anything right now that you know you got to run and hide from, uh, and I think that's important. 
Uh, now, if we start, if that changes, you know, we'll report that to you. But as of now, I think we're in an expansionary period, and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, look, I think it's time for a tune-up. <laughs> um, you know, I own a lot of value stocks, and um, I've been, I feel like the boy who cried wolf because I've been talking about this value versus growth, you know, thing, and it's it's been the longest period of outperformance by growth, and something tells me that value is going to outperform for a while. Now, if it, I don't know if it's eight years like growth did, but it's going to be a while, okay? Uh, it doesn't mean growth will not work. It doesn't mean that technology will not work. There's a lot of stocks in the technology area that are values, okay? And I can, I can name two or three of them, and a couple of them are in the Dow, all right? So I think, you know, you have to take a look. Are your allocations askew? You know, do you have too much in growth and not enough in value? Uh, you know, I've changed. I've been slowly but surely changing people's, um, you know, I, I actually have been in value for a couple of years. And uh, I've had a few stocks that are in growth that really did well. And now the value part of the portfolio is coming through. So we'll see. Um, anyway, I think, look, this year, I think U.S. equities are on track to do some good things. but. I also think that it's going to be a little bit harder. You know, last year was easy up until uh, November, and and then it got kind of interesting. Now, I think the Fed is going to remain more engaged this hiking cycle than the market still seems to appreciate. Um, we could not be happier that the market is now pricing in a, a 90% chance of a hike, but the market needs to keep pushing its terminal estimate higher. That's what Tom Porcelli says, Okay. I'm a pretty smart guy, uh, one of the better economists out there. And, you know, we're still at 1.5%, negative 1.5% real interest rate. So I don't see anything, you know, going up from here. Look, growth has gone from great to good. Okay. Value starting to press forward. And, and I've got a perfect, uh, and I, I guess most of my clients own this anyway, but there's one vehicle out there that has a lot of good value stocks that look really good on, have shown up on my charts a lot. And most of, most of my clients own it. So, um, but look, if you look at the consumer price index was up 7% and, you know, we haven't seen that in a long time. Okay. So, uh, and even the core was up almost five. So, um, you know, we're seeing the change. Now, look, you got to remember that the commodity research bureau was down almost 80% from 2009 till now. All right, so it, it got hit pretty hard until 2020, I should say. But you know, the question is, what are expectations? And look, I think you know what we're seeing is a flattening of the yield curve, which uh, that you know the I, I think what they're going to do is get their, the Fed's going to get their balance sheet in order. You know, they they borrowed like 1.2 trillion dollars worth of stuff, or they bought in. You know, their balance sheet was one almost four trillion, and now they're they're down to about 1.2 trillion. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, so we got to watch that going forward. And um, I also think that there, you know, we had an historic rally this last year. And but look underneath, and this is what's interesting. I, I think everybody's going to understand this. The, if you look at the Nasdaq composite, there's 3,655 stocks in that. Forty percent of them are down 50 percent this year, going back one year. If you look at the New York Stock Exchange. Which is five thousand stocks. 
70% of those stocks are down 30%. So it hasn't been the greatest bull market everybody talked about. Uh, but earnings growth uh, goes from great to more modest coming up here. And that's what may be the market signaling. Who knows? Uh, I think the 12-month price earnings ratio is about 21 times earnings, which is pretty high. Now, the question is, you know, you got a lot of countries out there like Europe and, and China and, and the, you know, South America, where the P-E ratios are like eight or nine. Okay, so they're much lower. And the question is, will the money flow there? So, uh, but like, even good years have bad days. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I can remember back in uh, 2019, uh, you know, we had a lot of days down. Okay, uh, 2018, we had a lot. I mean, we were down 19% at one point. We were down 7% at one point in 2019. So, uh, but, Look, I don't see, and I'm going to repeat this a couple times today, I don't see anything on the charts that indicate recession as of now. Okay, now that could change, but we'll see. I, I also think uh, growth has had a strong run uh, of outperformance, and, and although value did have a you know a couple short spurts of leadership, okay, uh, it sounds like we have uh, somebody on the line here. Jason, how are you? Hi, Tim. How you doing? No complaints. A little cold, but... What's yeah, up? yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, typically, from from my understanding, when, when interest rates go up, um, which I, I believe they're going to because the, the inflation... You're right. The economy's, the economy's not the strongest. But the Fed's got to kill inflation. They have to have, what do they have? Maintain stable prices and employment, right? They got the employment down, but the prices are through the roof. So they're going to have to raise. Now, my question is, utilities and the utility sector, typically, in my understanding, goes um, down when interest rates go up because people can, people feel like what a safe investment, relatively safe in utilities, they can get a safer uh, yield. In, in in what they feel are, are some you know quality bonds, so that's why money kind of doesn't flow into utilities. Is that is that what you understand how the theory works? And, and the reason why I'm asking is I'm seeing my ETF utility ETF go up as the as the ten year went up, and I don't understand it. Yeah, and and by the way, I said that last week, Jason. I, I talked about the staples and the utilities going up. Uh, I've been talking about it for about a month now. Um, and that's counterintuitive. Uh, you know, normally utilities are bond surrogates, okay? Uh, and and you know they're supposed to go down when interest rates go up. But what what I have seen is that the economic numbers have not been really bullish. So I don't know why the ten-year yield. Maybe they caught somebody short or or long, and, and the shorts won, whatever. <laughs> Uh, but utilities are a bond surrogate. They should not be going up uh, as, in, as interest rates go up. Do you think there'll be a, but, a buying opportunity at some point to, to, to add more to the to a utility position then? They keep showing up on my charts, so uh, I'm not sure who's moving into that area. But as I said earlier, I think the 10-year bond yield, uh, the momentum has kind of peaked for the short term. Now, that's short term. Yeah. I'm not, you know, not suggesting long term, but so they may already have priced in one Fed increase. 
So, you know, so do you, who you, knows? What do you do? You think this inflation then is all related to supply chain crunch, or do you think it's really got legs to stay with the baby boomers retiring and the, and the millennials not wanting to work? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, look, we have demand for three million automobiles. We're, we're only producing one million. Okay, uh, you know, used cars were up thirty-seven percent in the month of December. So uh, that's that's a brand of inflation that you know we obviously don't want to see. Uh, but the question is, is it, you know, is it for, it's going to stay that way or, uh, are they going to start building automobiles? My, my thought is they're going to start building automobiles, but you have to get through this on the crowd thing, you know, and, and get, get on. So inflation will stick around for a while. Okay. Thanks. All right, man. Have a great day. Uh, anyway, we, we were, uh, talking about, uh, you know, growth stocks, there, there can be some good values within the technology area that haven't, you know, gone straight up or anything like that. So, but look, uh, the, US, the U.S. is play, trading at a pretty high multiple. So the, the question now becomes, is, you know, money going to go to the foreign markets? I think you have to see the dollar decline. And the dollar hasn't been going up, even with interest rates going up, which is interesting. So, a uh, lot of things going on that we don't understand right now, uh, and we'll probably understand soon. But, uh, you know, most OEMs are accelerating spending on EV technology. Um, and you just wonder, you know, it's 4%. It, they're shoving electric vehicles down our throats. It might be good for the economy. Um, I mean, for the um, for the world, but uh, there's three countries that aren't spending that much money on it. So we'll see. Um, but I, I think companies in the information technology semiconductors, industrials, um, they're all going into a similar theme, and that's the ESG thing thing, okay? And cybersecurity, I think, is still going to be important. I don't know if they're going to pay, you know, 70 times revenue or anything for these stocks anymore, but, uh, but you know, semiconductors look like a good place to be, I, I, especially the guys who make the semiconductors for cars. You know, and there's a lot of them in that area. Uh, and as long as... Uh, uh, well, well, we'll see. I think there's also room for the green energy transition, uh, transformation, too. So uh, ESG is going to be important going forward, whether we like it or not. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. And this is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 
you got to look at the the breadth, um, and then you got to look at the McQuellen oscillator. And if you don't know what that is, my, my humble opinion, you shouldn't be managing your own money. Uh, somebody asked me about beta a couple weeks ago. I think the McQuellen oscillator is much more important to income and I mean making money. Uh, anyway, so you know, there, there's people talking about this again, and, and people will always say, "Oh, it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world." And I, I keep saying that probably not, but um, uh, we are at the top of the trend line. So that's another thing. But, you know, uh, I guess the question, look, I've been talking about staples, uh, utilities, financials, and energy now for a pretty long time. I th- started talking about uh, the uh, energy sector back in January of last year and then the staples this year. Now, one one of the things I did see this week was I looked at the NASDAQ composite and you know, it broke out um, going back all the way to 2001, <laughs> okay? Um, and then it broke back down. And it's not usually good. But in the meantime, energy, staples, and, and financials are in a nice, beautiful uptrend. And if I look at relative stuff, uh, the XLE and, the, you know, uh, um, I can't think of the other one. I'll think of the other one in a second here. But uh, all the all these things have been doing okay. And the other one is um, healthcare has not gone down. It's it's uh, gone sideways for a really long time. I mean, uh, since 2015. So ever since Hillary's great uh, comment, uh, she's running again. I hear, by the way. Um, but I look at the staples, and they, they broke out uh, versus the S and P 500, and energy definitely did. Uh, but you know, also, you know, energy broke out versus healthcare. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing some things. Uh, and if I look at financials versus healthcare, it looks like financials are, are doing good too. So getting a lot of, uh, mixed signals here, which is good, uh, means people have to work a little bit harder to make money. Um, now the other thing I would suggest, uh, is there's one investment vehicle <laughs> that, that ha- has a lot of these staples in it, and it's probably worth buying. And uh, I also think that if you look at uh, the earnings season is coming up, and there's some people coming out with some surprises. I mean, everybody was buying J.P. Morgan into the earnings, which was unusual, by the way. Financials usually sell off before it, and then they killed the stock. Uh, on comments by the CFO, and I, I, I thought he was being way, way cautious, and we'll see what happens, but. Uh, then you had KBH Home, which had announced a 50% increase in their dividend and blew out on the upside. So, um, you know, I think that's what's going on. And, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, that, that occurred this week, I think it's kind of, and, and uh, Tom, uh, Rob Schleimer mentioned it. He talked about, uh, you know, commodities. And, um, you know, first of all, several of them are breaking out. Uh, the most notable is our good friends at, um, uh, the uh, copper, uh, Dr. Copper, as we call it. And Dr. Copper breaking out is very important because you use copper in almost everything, <laughs> which is a thing. Now, one thing, let's talk about this. And Rob Schleimer's been talking about this for about five months, and I have too. We're still at the top of the trend line on the S&P 500 if we look at a monthly chart, and the momentum has peaked. So we're going to have a period of time where we probably go sideways. Maybe, maybe some stocks will go up. Maybe Procter & Gamble will take over for 
Salesforce or something like that in the in the Dow, but it's going to be tougher to make money here. Okay, and that's why I've been talking about the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. You're going to go sideways for a while. Now, the last time we did this, we had a couple whoops. <laughs> that was 2015, 2016, and in 2015, you know, uh, in the fall, right before the fall hit, we had a thousand point drop in the Dow, which didn't do wonders for anybody, including me. And then in 2016, the Fed started raising rates, and we had another big whoops, uh, and that was a 17% whoops. So, um, you know, the, the big problem is that the top of the channel and the bottom of the channel is there's a 25% gap, okay? So I think, you, you know, um, just got to be more careful in what you buy, when you buy it. You know, you can't just go out and buy things anymore, okay? You have to be paying attention to uh, – what you're doing, you know, where you're going. And, uh, look, uh, I was sick for about three days and I took my eye off for, for three days. And one of my, uh, software stocks got beat up in that three days. And, and I'd like to take it back, but you can't. And, you know, people do get sick. Now here's, what's interesting. The S and P 500 index on a daily basis is oversold on a momentum. So what we probably have is another move up, uh, but the advanced decline line looks terrible. I mean, we haven't made a new high on the advanced decline line since July. Uh, and uh, basically, actually, I don't think we've hit, uh, it, it might have even been since March. Okay, so, you, you know, the, there's not as many companies participating. And the Russell 2000 index, uh, which has a lot of small banks in it, which I thought would carry it forward, broke out and then broke back in. So it did the same thing as the NASDAQ composite. So there's a big correlation between those two now. And uh, that's not good. And it's relative performance versus the S&P 500, which had broken out, now is broken down. So the small caps are probably a problem. I uh, Also, if I look at the investor sentiment, uh, it's still kind of, you know, there's nobody's really bullish, nobody's really bearish. And so it, it's kind of a tough uh, tough scenario. And the, I'll say this, you know, I've been saying this for some time, growth versus value on a weekly basis. It looks like large cap growth may have made a double top versus value. You know, mid cap and small cap have been uh, fading quickly. So it, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, growth, large growth has been holding up pretty well versus value. And we'll just see if this is a double top uh, going forward. And also the high beta stocks, which we would be, you know, which are dominated by cyclicals for the most part, uh, have pulled back pretty pretty hard. Now, one of the things we did see is the ten-year yield uh, on a daily basis. We the momentum's kind of peaked, so we'll see uh, if that continues going forward. And the dollar's been interesting because with interest rates going up, it's been kind of going sideways. So. Um, stalling out kind of. So maybe, you know, that's what our anticipation should be, a, a dollar that goes sideways for a while. Um, you know, I, I think that might be what we're looking for here uh, going forward. So uh, now the Canadian dollar, which had broken out, broke down. And it, by the way, it looks like the same chart as the Russell. And it looks like the same chart as the NASDAQ composite. All right. So um, that's tough. Now the Euro uh, versus the yen is challenging some critical support. And you know, that is very important simply because it, it usually means industrials are going to do better. Uh, so we'll see, um, you know, going forward. 
I think the other thing we have to take a look at is crude oil. You know, crude oil uh, broke out, pulled back, uh, and now it's starting to creep up again. And uh, I don't think the administration wants crude oil to go to 100. <laughs> but uh, my my bet is is that uh, if it if it's you know it, it's kind of small short term at 73, 74. And there's a lot of resistance near the 100-day moving average, which is, uh, you know, uh, right around 75. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But copper did break out, did break out, and I think you know that's something to pay very close attention to because uh, Dr. Copper is very important when it comes to the economy. All right. So all right, let's take a break. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, you know, I think you're going to get a, a, a little excitement when you get your natural gas bill. <laughs> uh, it's up, natural gas is up 30% because of the pipelines being shut down. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting, especially as, you know, we're, we're having some cold days here, to see, you know, if that 30% affects people. And, you know, talk about inflation. When you cut down pipelines, you you ask you're asking for it, and uh, I think they acted before they thought it out <laughs> in the administration right now. So, uh, but it's uh, especially on a cold days like this, you know, you got the heat revved up, and uh, it's probably going to be expensive. So there you go. Anyway, uh, we always talk about the bullish percent. We're going to do a special on the January effect too here. Um, the bullish percent uh, was designed in the thirties by some people who wanted to be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. They also wanted, what they did was they looked at things uh, and they looked at point and figure charts and, and when point and figure charts were moving up, they knew they had the, a bullish scenario when they moved down, which by the way, they moved down a lot faster than they move up. As most of us will find out, uh, they moved down very quickly. And, uh, so what they did was they did X and O's like point and figure charts. And so they charted the number of stocks going up versus the number of stocks going down. So we had a column of X's means we're on the offensive team is on the field. A column of O's, the defensive team's on the field. And what's interesting is that they set this thing up from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's when there's too many stocks, too many good stories out there. And that's usually when you should be defensive. When everybody's happy, you should be defensive. And then when you get below 30 and nobody's opened up their 401k statement and, and they, they don't want to talk to you, uh, that's when you should be aggressive. Okay? So we're at 53.5 right now. We are down 3%. The problem is 50 is the lie in the sand. And by the way, this would be the third lower high in a month and a half. If we did break down at 50, uh, and I, this was Thursday, late Thursday, okay? So Friday, we don't know if we got some more breakdowns or not. Uh, I'll know Monday um, if we broke 50. I don't think we did. Uh, I think we're close, <laughs> but we didn't. But the point is, is that uh, we started in March at 80. All right? That was when you should have been bearish. And 
we've made a series of lower highs. So uh, that's, you know, why we're seeing everybody getting whacked. But um, the other thing is the, the none of the other indices that I see are in a column of X's. So, uh, well, I'm sorry, the over-the-counter index is in a column of X's, at, uh, but it was down 3%, and it's, too, you know, it's at 34. At 32, it would go into a column of O's, too. And the world... Uh, is world index is very close to a column of those also. So we're, you know, uh, we're in a situation where, uh, first of all, if you look at the computer indexes or you look at the technology group, the computer index has been down 1.5%. The internet index is down 3.6. Software is down 4.3. By the way, software in December was down 6.5. Uh, semiconductors were down 4.43. So, um, it's, it's been a tough year for, uh, you know, and we're, we're only three weeks into it for any kind of technology. Now, they everybody was just buying them. And I think, uh, you know, um, people asked me why I only had one or two tech stocks in in my portfolios. And, and I got hit on a couple of them. Uh, but I do think there's great long-term uh, uh, potential for a lot of these names. And the semiconductor index is still number three in the group, uh, whereas computers are 18 and, and software and Internet are a column of O's. So um, and they happen pretty quickly. So you, I guess the point is, is what I'm trying to say is technology uh, dropped. It was number one uh, on the dynamic asset level investing. And all that all this is, is relative strength investing. We want to be in the strongest group. Financials hit Number one. Now they also got whacked on Friday because of the J.P. Morgan earnings, and on uh, Wednesday because of Jeffrey's earnings. So we'll see what happens. But now it's financials, technology, consumer cyclical, energy, and industrials. Healthcare, communication services, and utilities are dead last. Now, Jason, that just means that utilities are looking good short term, but they haven't gained enough uh, votes, uh, shall we say, for people to be paying attention yet. All right. So you got to overweight financials, technology, you overweight it, but you got to remember it's weakening. And I think you equal weight energy because it's improving. Um, and then you underweight everything else. Okay. So that's, that's how, you know, you should look at the relative strength investing. Now I, I, I am starting to see some money flow to the foreign markets. Uh, a lot of money flowed to the foreign markets and they, and they were getting killed. But I'm actually seeing some buys like the Czech Republic, Israel, India, Netherlands, and I'm doing this in, you know, from top to de- top down. Uh, Taiwan, Norway, Poland, Denmark, France. France is really looking interesting. Austria and Sweden all have. Uh, we've seen some improvement where, where they're actually on relative strength buy signals. And France is pretty close. You know, if I look at a couple of the ETFs, they've got several that are pretty close to a double top breakout, which would be very important. And, and they've held support several times. So we'll see, uh, you know, I, I think uh, one of the biggest holdings in a lot of these ETFs is uh, Moet, Hennessy, Louis Vuitton. Um, so that has been on a, you know, it's a good looking chart and been on a buy signal. Uh, it's pulled back, you know, from 168 to 160, but it holds here. That may be the reason who knows. Uh, the U.S. Treasury yields uh, continued higher. The 10-year has taken out uh, all the resistance on a point-and-figure chart, but uh, it still has quite a bit of resistance if we go back. You know, point-and-figure charts do things a little bit differently. Uh, the two-year 
Treasury yield has reached 0.9%, and that's above its March 2020 levels. Okay, so mo- that that's a flattening of the yield curve, folks. Okay, so it, 0.9 in the two-year and 1.72 in the 10-year is a flattening. Uh, so just just remember that. We'll see um, what what goes on. But you know, rising yields have been a headwind for rate-sensitive areas, with the exception of utilities, as Jason and I talked about earlier, and so the fixed income resulting in a lot of deterioration of groups uh, like the U.S. long government bonds, uh, you know, which ended up dead last. So, you know, if you're going to buy bonds, floating rate, uh, municipal high yield and inflation protection bonds would be the three categories I'd be uh, looking at. Floating rate seems to be, you know, again, is getting the most money um, because obviously they think their yields are going to go up. Uh, each year, but commodities have been kind of interesting. Uh, you know, oil's been positive for three weeks, gold's been positive for three weeks, but no real big move. And that's part of the problem. You know, we did see, you know, if you look at silver versus gold, uh, silver has been losing. <laughs> it's down about uh, 2.1%. Uh, uh, we're year to date. I think gold's up like a half a percent, well, a quarter. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so we're getting. Uh, you know, so if you if you bought, you know, silver versus gold, you it better be in gold. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, relative strength basis. Now, um, oh, <laughs> my computer skills are terrible. Excuse me for a second. Uh, anyway, uh, what I was going to talk about here is. Um, the uh, the January effect, and I think that's important because uh, you know people got to understand that the January effect is usually small cap stocks, all right. And uh, you know if you're if you're not uh, working with small cap stocks, you're, you're you know you're you're doing things the wrong way. So I, I think what's important here is that a lot of people have been uh, Thinking that you know the January effect is is done um, without you know it's it's every it's all stocks it isn't it's it's basically uh, small cap stocks that are supposed to outperform and so far th- there has been uh, small cap stocks that have outperformed but they've been in value it has not been in growth where a lot of people got killed in, in the last year. The other thing is a lot of people are talking about healthcare because it's been, you know, basically underperforming for seven years as being uh, a top group. And um, I'm not so sure about that. I, I, I think that uh, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, the I think the key ingredient here is that if you look at the Russell uh, and, and the NDX, you know, we talked about this correlation effect. And I think that's something you got to keep in mind because, if the if the NDX keeps going down, we got a, we got a problem. But um, look, the S and P five hundred is down about eight tenths of a percent right now. And it, uh, in in January, the idea that if January brings a gain in the market, the rest of the year will follow suit and end in a positive territory. And the adage hasn't held true in the last two years. Uh, by the way, twenty twenty we were down one point one percent in January, and twenty twenty one. Yeah, and then in 2021 uh, we were down two, and we've ended up 
plus 16% in 2020 and, and plus 26% in 2021. So, um, you know, the, the barometer states that when the S&P records a gain in, Jan- in January, it recorded a gain for the full year. And that happens about 88% of the time. However, as long as you're in a bull market, what we found is there's been 13 times where we had a negative January and we still came out with the same amount of uh, return. So I think we're in a secular bull market right now is what I'm saying. So that might be the the right adage. So uh, another point worth noting is that even though the SPX is in red so far in January, doesn't mean it's time to panic. Okay, the January bomber has been a far better at predicting positive years than predicting losers. So we saw that play out in a couple different ways. So I think you just, you know, uh, there's a lot of people talking about that on the television now. And I think you've got to be careful as, you know, don't get crazy because people are, uh, you know, trying to scare you on the TV, I think, sometimes. I think, look, I've talked about this, and I'll talk about it ad nauseum until uh, they're not. The dividend growth stocks are cheap right now. And the prime income list, we have a couple stocks where I think there could be a major breakout coming, and they have like 35 4% dividends, okay? And I'm just waiting for the breakout is what I am, okay? So anyway, it... Don't get bearish. Uh, I think there's we're, we're still in a secular bull market. We may have some rough sledding for a while. Use it to buy good stocks. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to be right back. We're going to take a break. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Tuned in to Smart Investor Show, and uh, you know now we talk about uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about the insiders, okay? And it, it, why do we look at insiders? Insiders know their companies better than we do, obviously. Okay, and when they're buying in large quantities, you should pay attention. Now, sometimes insiders are wrong, but they got a better track record than analysts. And what's really good is when you have an insider buying and you have an analyst that tells you to buy. And a chart that tells you to buy. So we put those all three together uh, uh, when we're looking at different uh, portfolios. Now, look, uh, some people just want dividends and, and dividend growth and that type of thing. That's okay too. All right. So you know, we 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 straddle our strategy. You know, we're looking at a barbell approach right now. All right. I think in the the bar. You should have your dividend growth portfolio and your prime income list. And on one side, you should have some value stocks. And on the other side, you should have some growth stocks. Now, the growth stocks, uh, you know, have lost a little weight here in the last couple of weeks, months. Um, but, you know, things are interesting. All right. So, uh, so I did notice something that uh, there's a lot of insider selling. Uh, matter of fact, it's one of the higher ratios I've seen in a while. And last year was one of the highest ratios, and I think that's because they were a lot of the insiders were worried about taxes uh, because they talked about raising taxes back in March, and that's when the insider selling started, and it culminated at the end of the year. But it's still going on, so people are still worried uh, that they're going to do some kind of retroactive tax thing or whatever. But there's a lot of tax. I mean, there's a lot of selling going on, insider selling. So just remember that. As far as insider buying, I saw one. Now, this is an acquisition, so it's a 
they're using options. But CrowdStrike, the CFO bought 115,000 shares. It's a lot of money. And he almost doubled his ownership to 261,000. So that's kind of interesting. Our also our friend Dustin Muscovitz. Now, look, I, I haven't mentioned this guy before, but uh, he, he's one of the founders of Facebook. He ain't a dummy. Okay. And when Facebook, he didn't buy any, he actually sold Facebook on the initial public offering and bought it back when it was like 22. Now, you know, it went down to 16, 17, 18 for a while there. Uh, but, you know, that's when he bought it. So I think this is, you know, it's the guy you should pay attention to. But uh, he bought another 750,000 shares of Asana. Uh, he is now the chairman, CEO, and president of the company. And I think he's, I think he's gone from 4% ownership to 17 since June 27th. That's a lot of stock, all right? And he's down on it. And I paid 62 and some 57 on it, so he's down on it. Um, but he, he, he bought a lot of stock, uh, you know, and he's, he's not fooling around. Also, Smartsheet, which has got really kind of beat up in the last couple of months. Uh, it was an $80 stock. It's now 62.70. And James White, a director, bought 150,000 shares, which is about $9.4 million. By the way, uh, Mr. Muscovitz bought, uh, that's about $50 million. So he, he's bought, he bought a million shares before Christmas, a million shares after Christmas, and he bought 750,000 last week. So that's a lot. Anyway, uh, Rain Therapeutics has, has got beaten up. It was an $18 stock. It's now a $12 stock. And BVF Partners, which is pretty smart money, uh, but uh, six million dollars worth of stock um, on the seventh, and then uh, the day before that, they bought another uh, sixty-one thousand shares. Uh, so they bought about six point five million dollars worth, which is not jump change. And then um, also, uh, uh, Allergene Therapeutics, which was a twenty-eight dollar stock, is now a thirteen dollar stock. We had uh, a director Ari Beldergen. I mean, hope I got that name right. Uh, he bought $1.9 million of the stock also. And Ken Hicks, who's the chairman and president of American Sports and Outdoor, uh, bought uh, $700,000 worth of stock. And his uh, another director also bought uh, $400,000 worth of stock. And then another director bought uh, $116,000 worth of stock. So I like when you have multiple people buying like that. Uh, um, and then, uh, you know, I'm just going to mention a couple because we had – uh, runaway Finance Group. We talked about that last week. Uh, you know, this OMC Growth Holdings continues to buy it. Uh, they, you know, they bought quite a bit of stock last week, and they bought uh, another half a million. Uh, let's see, seven hundred fifty thousand, I guess, was the total for the week. And then Jack Schuler, <laughs> who keeps buying Accelerated Diagnostics. Bought another uh, 45,000 shares, and uh, he now owns about 19% of the float, uh, so he's not messing around. So there we go. Um, now, uh, look, I, I think if we look at the technical outlook as we speak going forward, okay, because we, we the fundamental outlook we've described earlier, we don't have any, you know, even the yellow caution flags yet on the economic scale. Now they may come. I don't know if they're, but they're not here yet. Uh, now the growth is we're expecting to slow down, but we don't have the signs that we we'd see a recession. So, so we have a secular trend, and usually it's a 16 to 18 year cycle. And the long we're we're still in that trend. Okay. Now Bob Dickey thought that trend started in 2015, 
Rob Schleimer thought it started in 2017. Doesn't matter. We still got at least 10 more years. And if you look um, in the other great bull markets of our times, you know, modern history, the S&P 500 has made a 2,300% move. All right. That would be, you know, a 2,000% move would be an S&P 500 at 14,000. Still a long way to go. Now, there are four-year cycles within that, okay? Uh, and the four-year uh, cycle started to mature a little bit, you know? And usually, the first part of the four-year cycle is a massive bull move, then a nice nice year, and then another kind of flat year, and then a lookout below year, which is the bottom, and, and then you keep going. So you got to keep that in mind. But monthly momentum has peaked, and it's suggesting lower or slower returns in 2022, and I think what you have to be thinking about is dividend growth and prime income, okay? Uh, for you people who retired, prime income is stable companies. You know, they're averaging about a 4.2% dividend yield at this point. And, the, and the, what we like about dividend growth is it keeps up with inflation, okay? So if you've got a, a dividend that's growing 6 to 8% a year and inflation's a 7 you're, you're keeping up with it. <laughs> uh, and by the way, that's a good way to get rich, especially if you're 40 and you're worried about when you get get out there and you reinvest those dividends, the compounding is very successful. Now, look, the Russell 2000 has notably lagged through all of 2021, and then it broke out, and then it pulled back, and it's starting to worry me a little bit. But I guess, uh, you know, if I look at other things, uh, you know, international equities, the price trend remains positive, but the relative strength of the relative trend remains negative. So it doesn't really support overweighting versus the U.S. yet, okay? The rates, uh, they are consolidating in a broad range. They go, they've been as low as 1.12 and as high as 1.778, I guess. And um, a breakout above that 1.78 might be, you know, negative, I would think, uh, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. Currencies, the U.S. dollar has rallied back to resistance and it's near its downtrend, and that began in... Uh, early 80s, I guess. Um, so, but I, I, I'm i not seeing anything that makes me, you know, want to go out and buy the dollar right at the moment. Uh, commodity trends remain positive despite, you know, pretty volatile trading ranges. And gold remains in a, in a broad trading range above critical support at, at 1675. So, you know, I noticed that gold and copper, both are in these large cup and handle formations. Uh, gold goes back like 12 years. So if we were to break out, it'd probably be a big breakout. And I just think, you know, like I said, growth versus value, large cap value, uh, growth versus value rebounded. So when you go into uh, Fed tightenings, you got to remember, value usually outperforms for a while. And like I said, I've seen several stocks that have broken out that look really interesting. But just remember, don't get bearish. It's a 17-year cycle, okay, usually, 16 to 18 years. So, I mean, we're maybe three or four years into it four or five years, if you think, uh, if Bob Dickey would say. Uh, so what we're doing is we're reflating, all right? There's nothing wrong with a little inflation. We just got to calm it down a little bit. But, you know, we've, we were in a deflationary period from 2000 to 2000. Well, if you're listening to Rob, Rob says 2016, okay? The end of 2016 is when we turned up. So uh, it'll be a while before this the cycle ends. All right. But remember, we have a four year cycle. So, you know, look, if we if we didn't go up 2300 percent like they did in the last two bull cycles, we only went up 2000 percent. 
that would be an S&P at 15,000, I mean, at 13,500 to 14,000. That's still a long way from here, okay? It's still a long, long way from here. So, um, you know, people get bearish, and uh, it's obvious people aren't bullish right now, okay? You can see it by the American Association of Individual Investors, and that's okay. Uh, but I just think things are changing. I think the other thing you've got to look at is the four-month and the 13-month moving averages. Uh, they're, you know, they usually regress back to the mean, and the four-month is is well above the 13-month, uh, and so probably pulls back a little bit. So what would I do? Look, go to WHK1420's webpage, go to local podcast down the Smart Investor Show, and then you go can go directly to my webpage. If you're a business owner, we have guide to transitioning your business. Okay, it's a real, it's a quick guide. The Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. Interest rates aren't going to stay low forever. Now's the time to borrow, okay? Especially if you can get it fixed. Uh, we we have all sorts of stuff like our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our best ideas. Um, and I would also suggest the electrical grid is going to be big for ESG investing going forward. You know, without a bigger electrical grid, you can't have electric cars. <laughs> Uh, and power and infrastructure is going to be big going forward, too. Uh, uh, by the way, we also did a piece about software this week, which I think could be really, really interesting and uh, might be something to take a really good look at, good hard look. Um, it's amazing, uh, you know, how long the uptrend of stocks versus bonds has been positive. Uh, you know, normally that's, a, that's something that goes back and forth, but stocks about – outperform for a long, long time. If you'd like to have coffee with me, uh, Starbucks won't let you in, I found out Friday. Um, I'd love to sit down with you. My, you know, hit contact me or email me and we'll talk about your portfolio and maybe a wealth plan huh? or your business or a loan. <laughs> in the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.